Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. So last night I experienced a feeling that I had never experienced before, and that is absolute fright coming out of a deep sleep. Allow me to give you the story. So I'm dead asleep. I'm at Lindsay's house and then all of a sudden she screams bloody murder. Well, that awakens me and it awakes me. I'm frightened. I'm, I'm right away as I wake up, I'm shaking. I'm like, ah, what's going on? I was freaking out. What happened? And she told me a spider. <laughs> I guess she was on her phone or whatever, like woke up. I was asleep, but she woke up and was on her phone doing whatever. And a spider ran across her screen, uh, screen and then oh. she jumped out of the bed screaming. And I, I tell you what, you, you don't understand the feeling until it actually happens to you. That had never happened to me before. Freaking out. As you wake up is one of the weirdest things you could possibly experience. Welcome to the game, Mitch Porter, oh Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland with us uh, once again. The phone number 537-1350. we got a busy hour one. Uh, we're going to be joined actually here in a few moments uh, in the next segment with Keenan Cummings. He's going to help us preview the West Virginia Mountaineers. And then after that, the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, with his final training camp report before the regular season starts. Meanwhile, in uh, hour number two, we're going to hear from K-State quarterback Will Howard, uh, part of his press conference uh, earlier this week. And I think it's that time as we uh, we're finishing up our Big 12 previews, we, we tackle one of the hardest questions to try to predict, and that is who will be the last undefeated Big 12 team in 2023? Who's going to be carrying the torch as the undefeated team as we get deeper uh, into the season. Before we uh, get more into the sports here, and I want to talk about what Brett Yormark <laughs> said yesterday. Uh, rest in peace, Terry Funk. If I may real quick just say something real quick about the Funker, uh, and that is uh, pro wrestler. In my opinion, is one of the greatest of all time. He passed away yesterday uh, in his in his late 70s. I just want to say, like, the whole fake, you know, 
image that pro wrestling has. Mm-hmm. There used to be a day and age where, and you know, the, the risks involved in wrestling, the injuries mm-hmm. that occur, that has never changed. That will never change. It is what it is. But he comes from a time where, if you get hurt, you still wrestle. If you break your arm like he did, you still wrestle. And uh, and that's because back in those territory days, if you didn't wrestle, you're not making any money. You're sitting at home on the shelf, and you're not putting food right. on the table. Right. He's he will go down in history as not not only one of the biggest badasses to ever step in between the ropes and put on a show for people. Doesn't matter how big the crowd was, but being one of the most consistent workers. And he has always been praised for that. He is uh, known as, of course, uh, a hardcore legend like Mick Foley when it comes to like the dangerous matches, the barbed wire matches, using all the weapons and stuff. Um, in my opinion, he is in the argument for greatest of all time. So rest in peace, Terry Funk. Never got to see him in person, unfortunately. Would have loved to meet him. From the Double Cross Ranch. Um, a legend. A legend that's going to be surely missed. Um, out of West Texas, I should have asked when we had Ryan Hyde on. Next time I have him on, I'm going to be like, you know, you're from West Texas. What's the uh, what's the what's the funk story out there? It's because it's kind of like he's like a uh, a regional. I think he's a pro wrestling celebrity, but is he more of a regional celebrity as well? Mm. Like if you get out to West Texas, because he's from Amarillo, and Amarillo is just a little bit north of Lubbock. And especially, he probably grew up in those territory days, did. Mm-hmm. Does he remember the Funk family? Anyway, all right, I'll stop rambling. Let's get to the sports, because I know Troy doesn't like talking about pro wrestling. Um, we could talk about it if you want to. Oh, I, I didn't say I don't like it. I, Who's the first person that comes to mind when I say wrestling? Probably because he was in my timeline earlier today, Ric Flair. Yeah. Ric Flair is, um, is Ric Flair. Everybody has heard of Ric Flair. Trey, have you ever heard of Ric Flair? Uh, yeah. He knows how to stay relevant, right? Like, even though he's not wrestling anymore, he's on social <laughs> media. He's visiting the Georgia Bulldogs mm-hmm. or the Chicago Bears. I feel like doing relevant, pep talks. relevance kind of a stretch, but he's definitely a pop I mean, culture he, icon. He, well, he, he, he makes sure, he, he does a good job of making sure that he is still out there doing stuff publicly now it's he's doing podcasts and he's he's showing up in rap music videos rappers are making songs about him yeah that was like five years ago he's doing uh rick flair drip yep he's doing uh woo wings he has his own line of wings that makes more sense than doing what is it the uh Car warranty, he's, he's extended gone, warranty, he, crap. He's gone in. Uh, he's gone into business. Uh, Woo wings. I think. Did he team up with? It's got to be better than Wild Mike, Wings. At was this it point. with Mike Tyson? Oh God! To do to release like marijuana and oh probably and products and stuff. Anyway, Mike uh, Tyson has his own line of like edibles, and it's literally like the edibles are yeah. ears You're, with the chunk bitten out. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that. No, I didn't. I know. So I know these days Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield are almost like best friends, which yeah. is wild. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I could ever forgive anybody. Well, and, but I know like Evander, like the Mike Tyson corner, boy, 
talk about getting sidetracked right away here. But I'm pretty sure they felt like what was it that Holyfield was like headbutton Mike? Yeah. That was his argument. And then Mike Tyson, like that was just that was the retaliation. He had had enough. He was so over it that he just bit him. But he bit him twice. That was the thing. He bit him twice. Could have got away with the first one, just had to lose a couple of points. All right. Uh, let's get to, uh, man, something that really blew up yesterday. And uh, shout out to Anwar Richardson from uh, OrangeBloods.com because he actually sent me the clip afterwards because we had talked a little bit on the show about, I mean, I had called some people out like Eli Drinkwitz and stuff, and we really didn't get into, uh, <laughs> and they thought that was funny, but we didn't really get into conference real. I mean, it didn't get any stretch like that, even though on here on the game it did get brought up that, uh, you know, Texas is leaving. Is it a big year for Steve Sarkeesian to uh, have a strong year, maybe win the Big 12? Uh, it's even probably more important for Oklahoma. Uh, but he sent me – he had uh, Crystal Conti, the AD at Texas, on the day after I was on his show for OrangeBloods.com. And Crystal Conti had, uh, well, about, you know, people, I guess, hating on Texas, and it's like their farewell tour. Here's Chris. We know we have to embrace the hate this year. Everyone in the Big 12 is mad at us. They think we broke up the Big 12. They think we broke up the Pac-12 because we left. We left for what's right for the University of Texas. And this is that was my job. That's our job as leadership is to protect the brand and put ourselves in the best position to be successful. So we know we have the T-shirts we gave all of our staff and kids embrace the hate. That's our mantra this year. At the same time, it's the farewell tour. And our goal is we, have, we won 12 Big 12 championships last year. The year before we won 13, our goal is to win all 20. That is our goal, and for us to compete for championships. So I will tell you, that's my goal for Steve, and that's our expectation. Man, you want to talk about 38 seconds of just this emo Facebook post of, like, look at me, nobody's on my side, we're just going to embrace it and keep our heads high as we move forward. Well, Troy, I think we could break this down a little bit because there's a lot of parts to this. And the first thing I thought was, he said, everybody hates us. And they thought we broke up the Big 12. Well, where do we start on this? I mean, do we start with the Longhorn Network? Do we just go ahead and fast forward to, um, you know, Texas and Oklahoma going behind everybody's back to set up a move to the SEC? And then all of a sudden the Big 12 is just hit with this, and now the Big 12 is left to f- try to figure out how they're going to survive. I mean, you know. Not only. Sorry about that. Not only the going behind the back. But the blocking any move that had been made to add teams at any point over the course of a decade. I mean, go back to uh, well, what, the Longhorn Network was a two thousand eight, two thousand nine, where that really took off. I guess mm-hmm. you know, I think nobody expressed their anger more than Texas A and M and Nebraska, who maybe that wasn't the one hundred percent reason, but had had specifically mentioned that they're pretty furious about this Longhorn Network. And now you got Texas following uh, Texas A&M years later um, to the SEC. But I'm like, man, come on. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is some thin-skinned stuff. Embrace the hate. And then the farewell tour comment was cracking me up because I was like, okay, let's pump the brakes, Cal Ripken Jr., it's not like you're going to go around the Big 12 and receive this standing ovation like, Texas, man, strong 17 years. 
I mean, it's been over 5,000 days since you've won a Big 12 championship, but man, what a run. The brand, oh my gosh. Thanks for thanks for having us along mm-hmm. for the ride, guys. What a journey it's been <laughs> with the Texas Longhorns. It's going to be the complete opposite. Nobody wants to see Texas win, and that transitions into Brett Yormark yesterday. And I think this was yesterday because he was speaking at a Texas Tech event. Yes. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I mean I, your mark finally, you know, publicly made it clear he doesn't want Texas winning anything. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you. Okay. And coach, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving. Okay. And you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. Your Mike has done a lot of things that I've liked. I think we've all liked. This might be my new number one. Just publicly <laughs> stepping out there and saying, listen, you know, obviously this was in direct quote, but don't let Texas win. We, we not only want Texas Tech to win, we probably need Texas Tech to win. The way I thought about it, I was like, and this kind of inspired me today to do it today, and that is predict, predict later on in the show, you know, who's going to be the last undefeated team in the Big 12. It's a hard one to predict because, you know, Texas, Texas Tech, obviously in the conversation. Mm-hmm. That includes non-con games as well. But is like at the point where, you know, that could be, if you think about it, I mean, that could definitely be a game that determines who makes a Big 12 championship game. Mm-hmm. Who ends up driving up to the north, as in from Austin, you know, right. to the east if you're yeah. in Lubbock? Who ends up making a trip over to uh, to Arlington, Texas to play K-State in the Big 12 championship game? Your mark effectively was flashing double fingers on his on on their way out. That That's what that comes down to yesterday. Well, I mean, the clues were there with, you know, we trying to get Texas and Oklahoma out early. Oh, yeah. We're going to do what it takes. Let's just, let's just get them out. I mean, that's been kind of – Kind of said that a little bit uh, at Big 12 Media Days. But, I mean, that obviously confirms it. We could all assume. We, we just knew that, you know, your mark was hey. ready to get these guys out. Look, we got to look at expanding. Let's get these two out. More spots for some other folks that want to be a part of the Big 12. Mm. Kind of. Yeah, not and, only that, but, you know, it's a good attitude to have. They don't want to be here? Okay. We'll take the folks that want to be here. Yeah, your mark strikes me very much as you in. Then let's do this. You're out? Okay, see ya. If only that game was in Lubbock this year. Oh, God. I mean, they got they, they have Oregon coming. And Texas Tech has not had a game like that in Lubbock in a long time. Like a non-con, right. big-time matchup in Lubbock in a long time. You, you would not find a more hostile environment in the Big 12 this season. Than if Texas was coming to Lubbock, yeah, then Chris Del Conte would see firsthand just exactly the kind of reception Texas is going to get on their farewell tour. But that was—I felt like that was just the most emo face. I said earlier, Facebook post of a comment that Chris Del Conte made on Onwar's show. You know, Del Conte. Let's let's look at it this way as well. When Texas came up with, along with ESPN, to start the Longhorn Network, and that tees off um, Texas Tech, Nebraska, mm-hmm. you're starting to see conference realignment. 
Well, where, where was Christo Conti at the time? TCU. He was at TCU. Yeah. You know, maybe one of the few fans of the chaos starting to begin and the ball starting to roll greatly on conference realignment. And from, you know, ever since then, the conversation had never died down of the direction of conference realignment. When will it pick up again? And I mean, talking about super conferences, that's been going on for years now. But that was also an opportunity for TCU to make a jump and finally be a Power 5 program. One of the aspects of this, though, that is striking to me is that Del Conte is saying these things on the way out after, A, having been at TCU. So talk about a heel turn. Yeah. And, and B, uh, he acts like that they're the ones that are in the right on this. They're not. No, you could play the victim all you want. But I think it's quite clear at this point how opposite of a victim Texas is. They, they, if, you notice he didn't mention that they wrecked the Southwest Conference on their way out. You notice that Del Conte didn't even broach that one. But it was Texas that began those overtures when it became the Big 12. No, Texas has been an Tex- absolute homewrecker for years. It hacked them off that Arkansas got an SEC bid years ago and moved out of the Southwest Conference. That upset Texas to, to high heaven because of the fact that it was Arkansas, not them. So... Crystal Conti, it's, it's unreal. The level of the 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 utter level of arrogance yeah. that that university holds. You know, we thought Nebraska was bad. Then we had to deal with Texas. Yeah, and that clip does Texas no favors. No, no favors. Nobody's going to start feeling bad for Texas in in any way. Like, oh, these people are being mean to us. You know. Feel bad for us. We're just victims here. We, you know. And then you've got the Texas fans that are sitting here going, wait, don't the officials get paid by the Big 12 commissioner? Isn't his signature on the... No, his signature is not on the check, first of all. Second of all, really? You're going to go there? You're, of all schools, are going to go there? For crying out loud. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have our next Big 12 preview. We look at the West Virginia Mountaineers. Boy, how many wins is it going to take for Neil Brown to save his job? We'll talk with Keenan Cummings after the break. Back on the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berklin, the three here today. By the way, Troy, you know, what we didn't mention as well is uh, what's going to cease to exist once Texas makes its uh, jump to the SEC, the Longhorn Network. Right, yeah. That won't be um, a thing anymore. Which also plays into the debate, how much did ESPN play a role in that jump so they could eliminate the $1 million plus a year that they were losing on the Longhorn Network? 
We'll hear from K-State quarterback Will Howard in hour number two plus, who will be the last undefeated Big 12 team in 2023. But right now we transition into our next Big 12 preview. It's time to take a look at the West Virginia Mountaineers with Keenan Cummings, who joins us once again. He's the managing editor of WVSports.com. Keenan, great to talk to you once again. And I know this is going to be a, a football preview, but I just want to briefly touch on you know just what the, the, the summer has been like. It's been very dramatic, of course. For Bob Huggins, uh, with uh, I'm not going to go over the whole thing that went on, but I just want to know at this point right now in Morgantown, where is his legacy? I, I don't think his legacy right now is is really touched at this point. I think that Bob Huggins is still pretty much universally loved here in Morgantown. Obviously, with what happened, it's made things a little difficult. But I think time is, is going to heal some wounds there. Um, they're, you know, with what's going on with the school right now, we'll see how that progresses and if anything ever comes of that or if that kind of just goes by the wayside. But I think that, you know, Ren Baker addressed this, the athletic director here yesterday. You know, he kind of touched and had similar thoughts, you know, said that, you know, time heals wounds, families fight sometimes, and hopefully eventually they get to the point where this is some kind of kind of just a footnote in it all. And, you know, Bob is honored and recognized the way that he should be for the contributions that he did have for the basketball program while he was here. Do you think he coaches again somewhere? I do not. I think I think he he is done. Yeah, I gotta I, I gotta agree with you on that one. Um, all right, so let's get to football. Five and seven last year. Um, but before we look into this year, uh, we, we were kind of Troy and I were talking a little bit about conference realignment just a few moments ago, and there had been you know reports here and there about you know. What's the possibility of West Virginia make uh, maybe making a jump to the ACC? Where are you at on that? Uh, well, nothing would happen until at least 2031, yeah. even if it ever did. And At this point, I mean, if from a West Virginia perspective, yes, travel-wise, regionality, it makes sense. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Are there even Is there even a such thing anymore hmm. in college sports? Does it matter? I think it's more about time zones and the number of networks you can hit and uh, just the national scope of it all but yeah it makes a lot of sense for west virginia from those reasons but you know the acc's had their opportunities for west virginia multiple times yeah and 2021 you know when things happened with the big 12 you know west virginia was there for the taking they passed again and i think that there's nothing that would happen you know west virginia's locked into a grant of rights right now and if you look at you know travel aside west virginia fits in the big 12 i've said this before i think anybody that's ever Gone to any of these Big 12 venues can kind of see the similarities and just the way these schools align in a sense with the fan bases. So, is it the most shocking thing ever if someday West Virginia ends up playing more teams in the regional area? No. Do I think it's going to happen anytime soon? No, because look, look at this honestly, guys. I think the Big 12 is on much stable ground compared to the ACC right now. There's a lot of things going on there that why would you jump off a stable ship to jump onto one that's taking on water, it seems like, every day. In a hypothetical wor- world, let's uh, let's say your mark had the opportunity to add Pitt uh, to the Big 12. Would West Home run for West Virginia. Home oh, run. Okay. That was my question. I, I, yeah, I think that would uh, alleviate any cons- – I think uh, in West Virginia's fans, had, you know, they're always – you know, obviously every fan base is looking at things from their own perspective. If there was further expansion in the future, if you could pick four schools, as long as it was Pitt, Virginia Tech, 
and then you could throw in Louisville and maybe one other school. I think West Virginia fans would have the perfect conference. On the non-con, you mentioned, you know, this could be a regional thing later on, you know, for West Virginia. Well, I mean, you got a trip to Penn State the first game, which is going to be a tough one for sure, and then Pitt comes to Morgantown. With where West Virginia football currently is, is this non-con, is there some cautious optimism? Is it a bring-it-on type of mentality, or does it feel like some bad timing? A little bit of both. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, yes, it's it's bad timing. But there's a lot of confidence in that building. And, I mean, I tell people all the time, we're going to find out pretty quickly if that confidence is warranted. But if they don't believe it, they have no chance of of going out on the field and proving it. So there is some confidence over there, and I think it's going to play out. You know, we'll see. I think that Penn State game, that's a tough one. I don't care if West Virginia is loaded this year. That's a tough game to go in there and win. You know, they play very well at home going to be a night game you know white out that's a tough environment but west virginia is going to get fit at home they had a chance to win that game last year on the road kind of let that get away from them late you know this west virginia football team if they can get out of their own way in a sense you, know, you, you think back for, from neil brown's four years here so many games have come down to one possession and west virginia really shooting their own leg off in a sense uh, you couldn't get out of their own way so they can clear some of that up you know i think west virginia could surprise could surprise people this year and, you know, I know they're picked last in the Big 12, but, you know, a lot of that stuff's done with, you know, looking at what's returning and whatever. West Virginia hit the transfer portal hard this offseason. Got a lot of guys they feel comf- comf- confident in, comfortable with. And they got a lot of guys, too, that's coming back from last year that have made gains. So it's going to be interesting to see how this West Virginia team does because, you know, I cover this team daily. I'm around the program, and I'm not even sure what this team's going to look like, really. You know, I do think they're going to be better than last in the Big 12. But what's that mean? You know, you're not going to hang a banner that says, you know, we didn't finish last. You know, what's that mean? You know, are they going to be in the mid-pack? You know, could they really surprise? Are they going to be 12th? You know, we'll find out soon. Well, on the offense, offensive side of the football here, Keenan, what I'm really intrigued to find out how good it can really be is the rushing attack with C.J. Donaldson back and healthy, who's a former wide receiver, and now you know he's playing running back. Plus, him mixed in with a veteran offensive line. I mean, do you, is the feeling that this rushing attack could be a real terror in the Big 12? That's the one certainty this year. West Virginia is going to be very good up front, and they're going to have a nice mix of running backs to be able to run the football. I think that that is the one thing that you can lock down. Everything I said before, ignore it on that front. Um, this this is a very veteran offensive line. I think they return 132 starts, something like that. You know, a lot of people have overlooked that this offseason, but they, they've got some very good players up front, some potential NFL guys. And then you got C.J. Donaldson and some guys behind him, too, that really flashed at the end of last year. Jalen Anderson, for example, uh, was really good on the road. West Virginia uh, knocked off Oklahoma State in the season finale. So I think that They've got some depth, and they finally feel like up front they're to the point where they've been building this thing, you know, really since Neil got here. 2019, it was a disaster. I think they rushed for 51 yards uh, 51 yards or less uh, seven times on the season in a 12-game wow. schedule. Mm. So this thing has been built from the ground up, and they've done it with their guys. You know, they haven't really used the transfer portal much. It's been developing, and they're to the point now where they really think they've got this thing humming up front. Now, quarterback, I don't think I've ever seen anything official yet on about who is for sure the starter. Is it going to be Garrett Green? There is no official announcement. Um, now, Neil was kind of played coy a little bit this week. We asked him about it, and he said, you know, I know who it is, but I'm not saying anything. There's, so there's no formal announcement. 
but all things tend to lean that way. I, I would be surprised if it's not Garrett Green. I do think there's a chance you see both at, at times, depending on what happens, because unlike the past few years, you know, you're trying to – if you're running an offense, JT Daniels and Garrett Green are very, very different players. Nico Markiel and Garrett Green are not that different. So they can run the same offense depending on who, what quarterback is in there. And you don't have to develop a different game plan. So I think that you could see both, but I would be very surprised if Garrett Green is not under center to start that first game. So uh, with covering K-State, I mean, we, Garrett Green was a starter uh, in that game, and he showed that he could really be a dual-threat guy. So let's assume that he is the guy. What's the best thing about his game, and what's the thing that probably needs to be worked on the most? He's really taken a leap. You know, everything I've heard and everything I've seen, he's really taken that leap. You know, here and now in his third year, I think that he's gotten comfortable. Uh, he, he really has command of the offense. You know, they, they've built it kind of around his skill set as well. Uh, he's, he takes some chances at times, and I think you saw that it's even against K-State last year. He's more confident now than he was then, but he will take some chances. He's got to play within the offense. He's got to kind of take what he's, take what he's seeing and put it into play. But West Virginia's got potential there because he can run, he can move. He brings an element that really just hasn't been there for West Virginia since Neil Brown's been the coach here. You know, they've had a lot of guys that are very limited pocket passers, you know, no threat to run, which opens up the RPO, quarterback run game. You know, there's a lot of different things they can do. So I think they are confident, you know, in what their quarterbacks can do and, and what they can do around them. We are previewing the West Virginia Mountaineers with Kenny Cummings from WVSports.com. You mentioned earlier about Neil Brown using the transfer portal to fill some spots. It seems like the, the two heaviest spots that have uh, been used to – the transfer portal has been used to replace some guys. Wide receiver, I mean, you, you lost your top four guys, and then the defensive line, no more Dante Stills or, or Jordan Jefferson. So what's the uh, – right now the feeling about those two spots? Yeah, wide receiver lost, I think, 87% of the receiving yards and 89% of the catches, so they lost a ton. Um, they feel pretty good, you know, about what they've got. It's a matter of which guys are going to step up. You know, they've got a pretty good room. You know, I think they feel like they have seven, eight guys they can play. Uh, Devin Carter, uh, transfer from North Carolina State, a guy that has played a lot, you know, a little bit underachieved, but he came here because he thought he had a chance for a bigger role, and I think that's played out. Cortez Braham, a junior junior college guy, played a little bit last year, but has really emerged. You know, he's another guy that can play, and they've got a lot of other pieces around. They got some exciting freshmen. You know, you never want to depend on freshmen too much if you don't have to, but they've got some exciting freshmen in Rodney Gallagher, Rodney Gallagher, and Traylon Ray, and some other guys around them too. I think that it's a question mark for sure because they've got to go out and prove it. You know, doing it in practice is a lot different than doing it in Beaver Stadium, but. They do feel confident that they found the right guys, found the right fits to kind of make it work. And it might be kind of a position by, by group as opposed to one guy, two guys standing out. So they feel confident there. Defensive line, they don't have necessarily a star. You know, there is no Dante Steels. The Dante and Darius Steels has finally cycled through. It feels like they yeah. they were here for 20 years. But <laughs> Yeah, but uh, they finally cycled through, but. If Sean Martin returns, and he's a guy that's played, has taken a leap, you know, they feel good about what he can do. But they're going to play a lot of guys. And some usually when you hear that, it's one of two things. Either you feel confident about the depth or you're trying to figure things out. So that's kind of a work in progress. I think they're bigger up front. They definitely have bigger guys than they've had in the past, especially in the interior. And that's saying something because, you know, Jordan Jefferson was a big guy. 
but these guys are bigger. And we'll we'll see how it plays out. I, I'm very interested to see that opening game, West Virginia's defensive line against Penn State's offensive line and rushing back. Uh, that, that's what they like to do, just like West Virginia. And I think whoever can control that line of scrimmage could, could go a long way towards West Virginia being in the game. Keenan, to wrap up with most of these uh, these previews I've been doing with you know various people across the Big Twelve. Usually, the last question is just a uh, prediction on the season. I want to go a little bit of a d- different direction with you because in the Big Twelve, nobody's seat is hotter than Neil Brown's. Uh, getting this extra year to try to right the ship a little bit. How many wins do you think it would take for him to save his job? I think, given the financial situation, you know, with his buyout, I think if he got seven wins this year, given the expectations, I'm not sure if that makes the fan base gleeful. Uh, I'm not. I'm not representing that, but I think West Virginia would likely keep Neil Brown if he's able to win seven games because this is a difficult schedule. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, Pitt. You know, playing two Power Fives teams again. You know, they've they've got some tough teams in the Big Twelve as well. If they can get to seven, I think that saves him just based off expectations. Because a lot of people, you know, look across the board, they were picked last in the Big 12. You know, look at most polls out there. Most people are not expecting much from this team. But under normal circumstances, I'd raise that a little higher. But given given what's happening, I think seven is probably safe. Well, even though that Penn State game is going to be a real tough one to try to pull off, that's going to be really fun to experience in person, the wideout. Uh, in a night game to lead off a college football season. But, Keenan, as always, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for the preview on West Virginia, and we'll be talking to you down the road. All right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Keenan. That is Keenan Cummings. He is the managing editor of WVSports.com. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll finish up Hour 1 with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, next. Kansas City Chiefs coming off a uh, a blowout win in their second preseason game in Arizona, beating the Cardinals thirty eight to ten. We're now joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, for his final Chiefs training camp update before the regular season begins. Mitch, great to talk to you again. And I got to say, what really jumps out to me from the win last weekend was the quarterback play thirty one of thirty eight, three ninety three combined between three quarterbacks and I mean Shane Bouchelle goes perfect one game completion from Blaine Gabbert you know I'm not putting any blame on the guy but Patrick Mahomes did have five incompletions but I mean did one quarterback stand out over the rest three of those five Mahomes incompletions were drops Mm -hmm. and another one was his crazy jump pass going out of bounds which had about a zero 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 one percent chance of being completed uh the quarterback rating of all four quarterbacks looked like the heat and humidity index throughout the Chiefs' kingdom this week. It was bizarre. Mahomes had the, sh- the smallest of the, of the worst at 109. I mean, there's quarterbacks in this league that would beg to have a QBR of 109 in a preseason or regular season game. I went back and looked at every incompletion, Mitch. This was really close <laughs> to be 38 out of 38. It was it was bizarre and, and awesome. Uh, all in one shot. We haven't talked about the offensive line yet, and I, you know, through two games, 
they've given up just a, just two sacks, three tackles for loss. And you have a veteran interior, two new tackles, and then Wanye Morris, who got drafted uh, back in April. What are your thoughts on the offensive line in this training camp? Uh, way ahead of schedule. Way ahead of schedule. Donovan Smith has been good. Austin Woodard is a guy you don't know, but he helps me uh, in player evaluation and, and, and my spotting boards. And he's just a football net out of uh, Joplin, Missouri. But he loves offensive line. He loves to look at it. He's coached it. And he said the day he came to practice, one of the days, he goes, Donovan Smith just unhitched his flag. And he took off from that point. Uh, it was outstanding. And then Juwan Taylor is an upgrade over Andrew Wiley. The interior three, you can argue, the best three in the National Football League. So that five together is a really good group. And I would say on August the 23rd that the Chiefs are better than they were a year ago even with Orlando Brown Jr. at left tackle. Now, it's the backups where the discussion comes into play. You'll probably keep nine. Right now, the battle for the swing tackle is rookie Wanye Morris or Prince Tega Wanoga, who's been around, or Lucas Niang, who was drafted by the Chiefs in 2020. That becomes, uh, that is the battle here for swing tackle or who the other guys will be on the nine offensive line, and that's where it's one of the items for Cleveland on Saturday. Echo Boydo, three more tackles in the last huh. preseason game. Are, are you still doubling down on that he'll make at least the, the practice squad? Yes, I am. I'll, I'll bet you a Vista burger or go to Hy-Vee <laughs> and get a salad or a sandwich or something. I'll put it down there. I, it's really one of the coolest things I've seen in, in 30 years now. People say, you're just a K-State guy and your voice, the Wildcats and all that. No, no, no. This is a kid that showed up off the truck. This is Dennis Quaid, who's not going to play Echo Boydo, but let's see, who would play Dennis Quaid in this movie? But getting off the bus with the cleats over the shoulder going, can I give this a try? And he's been repping this week again with the number ones. Now, there's a lot of injuries there. Uh, Sneed continues to miss. Uh, we've got the injury to Nazi Johnson out for the year. Uh, Nick Jones, the rookie at a ball state, were just perilously thin at corner. But here's Boydo right next. I mean, right now, if he might be active for the season opener against Detroit Echo Boydo. And that's a long way from a guy that I believe walked on at a Lawrence High to come to K-State. K-Staters need to be proud of him because he's an example of what comes out of that K-State college program from a standpoint of mental and physical toughness and maturity and emotional maturity. He's been awesome, man. Felix and Udike Uzama still trending in the right direction? Getting there. He needs a splash play. He's been close, really close. The last two preseason games, he's within a metapixel of getting a giant play. And I mean a sack, a uh, tip pass that leads to an interception, uh, get a team off the field with a you know just a great play. He's close. He's getting there. It's been kind of a slow progress, but it's at least trending in the right direction. And I've spent a lot of time in some other areas talking about Felix where, you know, he's going to have tons of pressure on him. When you're the Kansas City kid getting selected by Kansas City in the first round of the draft on the stage, and, oh, the draft's in Kansas City, that puts a brighter light on you than even most first-round draft picks who have a lot of pressure anyway. I mean, Felix has some pressure now to produce from the get-go. He will play against Detroit. He doesn't have to be... You know, a Chris Jones replacement. But 
if he could replicate what George Karloftis did last year, then you've got a really good year out of Felix Anadike Uzama. Mitch, you mentioned Chris Jones there. Um, still going through the contract negotiations, have not seen him at all in training camp or preseason game, and now he's uh, willing to hold out through week eight. Andy Reid has said there's been zero communication between the two. I mean, at this point, I mean, there's not much the Chiefs, as in the actual team, can do other than, at this point, probably just plan accordingly. Chiefs, we just have to figure it out. The Chiefs have to figure it out how to win without him. And I know that's uh, it's a difficult thing to uh, absorb, but that's where the Chiefs are. And I don't know, maybe he's at Keats driving around or he's playing golf <laughs> at Colbert Hills, but he ain't here. And... um I'll just leave it at that. I'm trying to look for the right verb, and since I can't find the right verb, I won't give you one. But the Chiefs had to move on and figure out a way, just as if he was injured, and try to figure out a way to, to beat the Detroit Lions without him and moving on. Well, the final preseason game, Mitch, is Saturday. The only one at uh, Arrowhead Stadium will be taking on the Cleveland Browns. Should we plan on the starters playing a ton in this one? Uh, some could. Uh, others will play a half ton, and others will play a half pickup load. Um, I think all of the first teamers will make an appearance in one way, shape, or form. You know, last year Mahomes did the choir huddle thing and then ran off. Coach Reed has given the indication that he'll play some, but again, that all could change. But, and I think some first teamers, the offensive line, will play eh, about what they did, maybe a little less against Arizona. And then you're going to see these wide receivers who we who all are considered first team play quite a bit. Rishi Rice, uh, uh, Justin Ross, uh, Richie James, right down the line. Guys like Blake Bell at tight end fighting for a spot. Some Noah Gray fighting when well, he's not fighting for a spot, but he'll play a lot. So, and on defense, I think there's stuff, still some stuff they're trying to figure out, including trying to play without Chris. So, yeah, you're not going to see it for a half necessarily some might but you know maybe a quarter and a half couple series from most and some will play one series and trot off the field well i'm looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds especially with the the big cut day next week but mitch i'll let you go thank you for your time and we'll be talking to you uh, in a couple of weeks before the season opener just do this make an emos sign for echo boydo because he has done the program proud and that's the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. He has been high all training camp mm-hmm. long. Ever since the first report has been all about undrafted free agent Echo Boydo at least making the practice squad, which it, it, Mitch said it earlier, him making the practice squad would be a gigantic deal. And meanwhile, Felix still climbing. He's still doing better. And I'm glad Mitch has that name down. Yes. He said it for the first time in our training camp reports just a few moments ago. Hour two, we predict who will be the last undefeated Big 12 team in 2023. Plus, we'll hear from Will Howard next with your local news.